Well, this evening we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 12, so turn with me there in your Bibles. I'll turn there as well. Luke chapter 12, uh, verses 13 through 21. Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. I turned off my phone, so I'm proud of myself right now for that. 13 through 21, there we go. The parable of the rich fool. Let's read this and then pray, and then we'll talk about it. Uh, Someone in the crowd said to him, that is Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your kindness and for your generosity to us. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to us by your Holy Spirit in this time, uh, that our minds might uh, become more and more transformed to be like Christ. Uh, We pray for your blessing, and and we pray that you're honored and you're pleased uh, with this time together as we worship and praise you through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, this, this passage starts off, I'm just going to jump right in, because um, there's already a story in this passage, so I'm just, I'm just going to jump in. We'll get to stories later, story time a little bit later. Um, but right off the bat, we got Jesus here, right? Jesus, the Son of God, uh, the Messiah, the Anointed One of God, uh, who's come into, war, into the world to destroy the work of Satan uh, and to go to the cross uh, and die there so that we could have a forgiveness of sins, so we can be brought back into relationship with God once again. Jesus is going around, he's teaching amongst the crowds, he's healing people, and somebody yells out to him one day, and they say, Jesus. And uh, Jesus turns, right? And um, tell, he says, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. What is, what is this guy talking about? What is he asking Jesus exactly? Uh, so uh, it's a dispute over a will. Does anybody here know, you all know what a will is probably better than me, maybe. I, I don't know. I can't tell. I could barely see you guys. The lights are so bright out there. Um, but yeah, so the kid, when, when I teach kids, they don't know anything really much about a will. Um, but uh, in, in the ancient Middle East, the way uh, inheritance worked is inheritance went to the sons, uh, after a, fa- a father passed away, the oldest brother got two shares, and the younger brothers all got one share. So if there were uh, nine kid, nine sons, then there would be ten shares. The oldest would get two, and the other eight sons would each get one share. So what, what's going on here is a man is angry that he is not getting a fair share. He's not getting his fair share, right? And so what he wanted was Jesus who's a teacher, who's a rabbi, to make a judgment for him. He wants more inheritance. He's not getting enough money. Jesus, come fix my money problem here. 
I want my fair share. I want my money, right? Uh, and rabbis typically made themselves available. They made themselves available for judgments, uh, for small judgments like these. So it was, it was a typical thing of the day. Um, but Jesus gives this man a, uh, a, a sort of rebuke. I don't know, does anybody here want to be pointed out by Jesus uh, as, a, as an example and a rebuke uh, for millennia to come, right? I don't want to, but this man does. He says, Jesus says to him, man, who appointed me to be a judge or an arbiter between you? So Jesus says, this is a rhetorical question, right? Um, Jesus is saying, I, I didn't come to settle your trivial matters between, between you and your brother. I didn't come to settle that. What Jesus came to do was destroy, destroy the work of Satan, to proclaim good news to the poor, uh, and to offer salvation for all people who would trust in, in his sacrifice on the cross. So that's what Jesus was, that's what he came to accomplish. He didn't come to uh, settle these sort of trivial matters. I'm not getting enough in the will, and, and Jesus, can you come please make a, a judgment on this? But what Jesus did come to do, he was appointed by God to, to lay down uh, principles. Jesus, uh, we, saw, we see in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7 especially, uh, that Jesus understands the heart behind the law because he's the lawgiver, right? Jesus, as the Son of God, understands God intention, God's intentions behind the law uh, and the principles therein. And so Jesus gives us principles that God intends mankind to live by, principles which inform our decisions, guide our approach to dealing with these everyday trivial matters. So, um, so you guys remember Moses, and Moses uh, had, had all these people coming to him, all the people of Israel were coming, uh, and asking for judgments in all their different cases, and Moses was getting worn out. Well, he, he, appoint, he had some help figuring out uh, for these people what they, what they needed, uh, he was able to put 70 other elders in charge uh, and distribute uh, some of his workload to them. Uh, and so Jesus distributes some workload here through principles. He distributes some workload through principles. We ought to be able to, to look at the principles of God and decide amongst ourselves uh, what is a good and proper judgment according to these principles. And also, Jesus is able to look at this man's heart. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So there's something going on in this guy's heart at a deeper issue that Jesus wanted to address here. So Jesus, uh, in response to what this man said, in response to this man saying, hey, I want more fair share. I want a bigger inheritance. I want more money. And Jesus says to the crowd, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. For life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. So Jesus looks at this man, and Jesus sees, just by looking, looking at this man, hearing what he says, he looks into his heart, and he sees this man going off the edge. This man's falling into greed and all of the traps that there is. Uh, this man, he, Jesus looks and sees that this man is reaching for I guess the peanut butter or the cheese on the mousetrap. I don't know what you put on your mousetraps. This guy's going for it. Uh, so Jesus says, be careful. Watch yourselves. Be on guard. Get, get ready. Keep your eyes peeled. Things happen in this world that, that are going catch to you, catch you by surprise. Sometimes surprises are okay, like surprise birthday parties. 
right? Some of your friends surprise you, and that's okay. And sometimes uh, surprises are not okay. So if there's a mountain lion looking at you from a tree, and he decides to surprise you, it's not going to be a, a birthday party surprise. It's going to be a hospital visit surprise, right? Um, and, but this is the kind of surprise, that latter surprise, that, that mountain lion and a tree waiting for you. This is the kind of thing that we need to be on guard for. This is what Jesus is talking about. This latter imminent danger uh, is what Jesus is referring to. It's the same thing that God said to Cain. You remember the story of Cain and Abel. God said to Cain about his sin, uh, about his anger and his resentment towards his brother. God said to him, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. You see, uh, what, what God tells us and what the world tells us is often in contradiction to each other. They often say two different things. The world says one thing, God says another thing. The world tells us that he who dies with the most toys wins, uh, that the ends justify the means, uh, that you do what you want to make you happy, uh, harness greed, use people, uh, stepping stones to store up for yourselves uh, the things that you want in this life. Uh, the accumulation uh, of possessions, that, that great gain is getting more and more things, better and better things. Uh, and often it's a, it's a veiled attempt at securing happiness and security and position in this world, and that's often apart from God. God calls this foolishness. foolishness. And actually the word that he uses in here for the rich man when he calls him a fool is closer to the word insane. You're insane, you're crazy. Uh, so God tells us to be on guard against, was it material possessions or the accumulation of material possessions or greed, right? It wasn't against material possessions, right? We've got to, I got to touch on this briefly. Material possessions, physical things are not bad. Um, I'm wearing clothes, thank God, right, right now. It would be embarrassing if I wasn't, right? Um, I, need, I need to have shoes. I need to have shoes to walk around in. Uh, I need to have uh, this Bible so that I could read it. It's a physical thing, right? Uh, there was a school of thought that essentially claimed the spiritual realm is good and the physical realm is evil, the Gnostics. Uh, in, in so doing, they denied uh, the physical coming of Jesus. They denied the virgin birth. They denied his, his ministry, and they denied his death and his resurrection and um, his coming physical uh, uh, return to the, Lord, to the earth. But we know that God created the physical realm, uh, that when he, he made everything physical, he said, and it was good. And then when he made man, he said it was, at the end of that day, he said it was very good. So God made everything that's physical, right? And God richly provides all things for our enjoyment, as Second Corinthians tells us, chapter 6. Uh, and we even look forward to a bodily resurrection, uh, a bodily resurrection, a resurrection that's actual, actually physical on, for, for the new heaven and the new earth. This, these are physical things. So we acknowledge that, that material possession is not bad, uh, but on the other hand, we must not fall into the trap of believing that you're not really living unless you have stuff. Yeah. Unless you get this thing, you're not really living. And, the, and the, you know, you, there's commercials out there that, uh, that convince us, if you don't have this, you're a loser. If you don't have this special thing, if you don't have this smartphone, you're a loser. And I, I've, I brought this out last time, I think. I've got a stupid phone. Sorry. Um, but, uh, but it's okay. <laughs> I've come to terms with it. It's been years. I've come to terms with it now. I had a smartphone. I got rid of it. Um, does life consist in the abundance of possessions? Is, is what really matters uh, located within the things that we have? 
Listen to this parable by Jesus, right? He says, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. Jesus likes telling stories. Uh, everybody likes stories. So Jesus used stories. And, we, and I love stories. I love it when, when Jesus tells stories. Um, so we're going to get into this here. Does anybody, is anybody here a farmer? Anybody? Nobody? No? Good. I'm in, I'm in company with people that, that, that are uh, similar in, in, to me and that we don't all farm at all. So um, it's interesting right here. So who made the crops grow? Was it the rich man who made the crops grow? I mean, who caused the crops to come up out of the ground? It wasn't the farmer, right? The farmer, he may have tilled the ground. He may have sowed the seed. uh, He may have even had a hand in in the irrigation. But at the end of the day, he did that work, and he sat, and he waited. He sat, and he waited for for it to grow. And he didn't know how much it was going to grow. And, and the way Jesus says it, uh, Jesus says the ground of the rich man yielded an abundant harvest. It's interesting. It's almost like this rich man was a, a passive participant in whatever the ground was going to make, right? Uh, so there's a, there's a principle here that, that we've got to take to heart is that God causes the increase, that God causes the increase. The, the things that I have, the things that, that are in my bank account, the things that are in my home, the things that are in my pockets— uh, God has caused the increase there. Some of us have uh, much decrease, <laughs> um, and we want some more increase, but, but it's God who gives, right? God is the giver of every good and perfect thing. And if we don't take this to heart, we're prone to arrogance, thinking that, like the farmer, that we did it all ourselves, right? And that it was some amazing thing about, about me that caused this increase. Um, and then with with arrogance is its tag-along uh, humiliation, <laughs> eventually, right? Because uh, pride comes before a fall. Um, so what we need to do when we recognize that the increase comes from God is that is that we thank is that we thank God. When I go to places and people cook for me, I thank the cook, right? But I also I thank God because I know all the materials, everything that was there to give my, give me sustenance in life, really came from God. Uh, when I land a good job, I not only thank my employer, but I thank God who, who provides work and my ability and the, the ability for my hands to do things and for my mind to do things. I thank God uh, who is actually my source of income. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. This rich, this, this man, this farmer yields an abundant harvest. He's got all the stuff. He's in a dilemma. And the dilemma is I have, I have too much money. Is that a dilemma? For, for Whose dilemma is this? Um, I want this dilemma, right? You want this dilemma? I want this dilemma. Um, I, I Maybe mean, I want it in secret, except for I said it out loud. Dang. Um, maybe, I don't know. I just have too many cars. Where am I going to put all my cars? This is just such a problem, right? My RV is too big for my garage, right? It's too big. Uh, the garage, my garage is so full of goods that I can't even park my cars in there, all my cars that I have too many of, right? I've got to park my cars in the street. Um, I, 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 have, I have too much furniture. I've got to rent a storage facility, right, for that. I've got I to rent something out. Um, or I have so much money that I need multiple bank accounts because uh, the FDIC doesn't insure it or something. Uh, I think people might say the struggle is real. The struggle is real, right? Uh, or first world problems. Have you heard those? Some of those things, first world problems. Um, the Bible says the more you have, the more uh, there are that eat of it. So there is actually a little bit of a headache in having too much stuff. 
Um, but this guy has this dilemma, right? He's got too much crops. He's got barns. They only hold a certain amount, and he above and, uh, above and beyond exceeded that. So what is he going to do? What is he going to do with, with his extra stuff? Well, we've got multiple solutions, the things that he could do. Um, one, I, he could give everything away, right? He could give everything away, and he could, he could sell his house, and he could sell uh, his barns, and he could sell everything uh, and give all of it away in an act of charity. Um, in so doing, he would rid his, his own self of his livelihood, uh, and he would probably have to live on the generosity of other people to get going again. I mean, I've known people who have done things like this. They've given everything away. Some of them turn out well, um, but some people have, uh, you know, gone onto the mission field, and they have debts, and they just say, ah, oh, you know, I'm not going to pay my, get- my debts. I'm going to go be a missionary. Um, or some people are super generous. They give all this stuff away to everybody else but their family, and they don't take care of their own families. Um, that is an option. You could do that. You could give, he could have given all of it away. That is option number one. Number two, uh, he could build, build bigger barns, right? We know this is what he goes with, right? Uh, and give none of it away. Neglect the poor and needy, uh, looking out for number one only. Uh, the third option, he could fill up his barns uh, and give away some of his surplus or do something uh, a little bit more giving away, a little bit more filling. Uh, he looks to, you could look to the needs of your household, take care of that, uh, but not look only to your needs, but to the needs of others as well. So there's a few options he has here. He's got a few options, and we know that the one he chooses is following. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, be married. Notice this guy is, is kind of consumed with himself. Uh, in fact, he's actually mentioned himself 11 times. I, I counted it, right? This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and I'll store my surplus grain. And I'll, I'll say to myself, you, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Uh, he doesn't talk about anybody else. <laughs> he just talks about himself, right? He doesn't talk about his family either. He talks about number one. Naturally, this guy has chosen to focus his plans on amassing material resources for his own future so that he can take life easy. It's all smooth sailing from here. Had a good year, had a good harvest, kick up my feet, party, and I'll be good for the rest of my life, and I'm set. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? Now, God isn't calling him a fool uh, just because he doesn't like him. God's not calling him a fool because um, something arbitrary, like he's a 49ers fan, which is legitimate, right? Uh, No, God's calling him a fool because this man believes he's made a good decision, and he most certainly hasn't. This man believes that he's planning for the future, but he's misplaced his, invest, his investment. He, he looked into the future. He anticipated his need up to the day of his death, but he did not look beyond that day of his death. He did not look one day past that or one moment past that. And, and God said to him, basically, you know, if you're going to do, if all you're going to do the rest of your life is lounge around and party, waiting the day of your death, then let's get it over with and have you face judgment right now, right? 
This life is so uncertain. I mean, we could save up uh, everything. We could hoard everything, have a wonderful plan, um, but then, as often happens, then comes a terminal illness. And what do you do, right? Or maybe you've saved up much uh, and, and your investments in the market are rock solid, but, I mean, any moment something could happen, like about 10 years ago or so, right? And the bottom falls out. I mean, we live in a world that is subject to death and decay and in misfortune because of the sin that we brought into it. And it's not just our physical bodies, but it's death and decay amongst our possessions as well, or moth and rust destroy. There's a story of a teacher, and I use this with kids. I do, I do teaching for youth sometimes with Jeff and I've done it historically as well, but uh, you, get, you ask the kids, so what's your plans for the future? What are you going to do after, after school? You say, well, I'm going to go to college. Why do you want to go to college? So I can get a good job. Well, why do you want to get a good job? Uh, so that I can uh, have a family and have a house. Uh, so, so why do you want that? Well, so that I can have a good retirement. Uh, and then what are you going to do after that? And what am I going to That's a good question. What am I going to do after that, right? What then? What then? What then? Um, this man uh, was rich towards himself, but not, not towards God. That's why this, uh, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. There's going to be devastation. There's going to be devastation on the day of judgment, especially. Now, this guy, uh, this is a parable, this is a story, but it reminds me so much of uh, a real-life event, a real-life event that happened uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 25. You guys remember David, smooth stones, right? David and Goliath, David. Um, there was an incident where David, uh, I'm going to modernize this and contextualize this, but David did security, okay? He, did, he, he provided security for an event, and um, his men were, were watching over some flocks, some shepherds of this guy, uh, owned by this guy named Nabal. Uh, so David's men were watching over it, uh, and then uh, afterwards, David went to go collect payment from this guy. And this guy, he was a wicked man. His ac- actually, his name was meant fool. <laughs> his name meant fool. So um, David's men went to collect, and Nabal insulted them, insulted David, sent them out the door, and he was a wealthy man as well. He started to party, right? So when word got back to David that they got stiffed on the payment, David was furious, right? David was furious, and these guys, he, he tells his guys, get your swords on, we're going to go take them out. Right? <laughs> David was a passionate man. I think he was a little bit overreactive, possibly. He was going to kill them all. Um, and so, but on the way, Nabal's wife, Abigail, who was a righteous woman, came out and, and, and loaded up all the donkeys and everything, uh, got them all sorts of food uh, to pay David off, uh, went out to David and apologized for her husband and, and gave him all, the, all this, uh, you know, the raisin cakes and things like that. Uh, and David accepted payment and was thankful that he didn't follow through with executing judgment on Nabal. Uh, but when Abigail got back, Nabal was drunk, so she couldn't talk to him. And then in the morning, Abigail was talking to Nabal, and Nabal had a heart attack and died, right? So, so we have this guy, his name is Fool, uh, and he was rich towards himself. He didn't even want to pay off the, the things that he owed um, and insulted the anointed of God, right? 
and, uh, and then it ended up in judgment on himself. God said, you fool, right? Nabal was a fool, and God took his life from him, demanded his life from them on the spot. So, so there's an irony here. Um, so this rich, this rich man, this wealthy farmer, was called a fool by God because he was really bankrupt before God. He was eternally bankrupt. He stored up many things for himself. He stored up many treasures for himself. He looked good. He had the right car. He had the right house. Uh, when people looked at him, they said, man, this guy's smart. He's got his stuff together, right? Um, but he had nothing stored up in his heavenly account. He had nothing. So when he reached eternity, he was bankrupt before God. He had nothing there. The possessions of this life belong to this life, and since this life is less important than the next, the things of this life should be valued less than the things of eternity. It's Michael Wilcox. We look at this man, we say, smart, man, this guy's got stuff together, but God looks at this man and says, crazy. You have nothing. You have nothing. And tragically, the rich fool does a mighty fine job of representing us as well. Does a fine job of representing me. He does a fine job of representing you. The reality is that we are like the rich fool, um, but God uh, is not like that. God sets a generous example. When I took an, take an honest examination of my own heart, I am the rich fool. I say, I really do want that dilemma. I really do want his dilemma. I want, I want to have the stuff, and I want to hoard it, like the, I look around at the squirrels that are in my yard, and they got their little treasure troves of acorns, and then they dig up those little holes in your yard, right, looking for their acorns, except for they didn't remember where they put it, apparently, so there's <laughs> holes all over, right? Well, I'm like that. I'm really like that, right? This is how I was born. This is, is the example that I see in the world. This is what I see on billboards. This is what I see on commercials. This is what I see people doing, Right? Uh, this is, and, and those things enforce my, inter, reinforce my internal greed. Um, and so it seems like a hard thing for God to ask me to do something different than what I was born to be. If I'm born greedy, is, you know, is that my fault? Can, can I really be blamed for that? Um, but when God asks us to be rich towards Him, he's, He never asks asks us to do something that he himself is unwilling to do. Um, so when he asks, asks of us to give to the poor, uh, he does that first. Jesus was willing to temporarily sacrifice his own divine privileges and his position in heaven um, so that impoverished man, those of us who are poor, might receive eternal life. Uh, Jesus joyfully lavished his riches upon us, though it cost him his own life. Uh, but he knew that in the end, it would pay back dividends for eternity. Uh, and now, now, because of Jesus, though we were poor, we are made rich in Christ, and we are heirs of the kingdom of God. And we are expected, because of what God has done for us, to do the same thing, like a, a pay it forward. Right. We are to joyfully lavish our riches, whether spiritual or physical, on other impoverished men that they might receive the eternal life made available through faith in Jesus. And with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. 
So we have a, I have a few applications for us today after looking at this story. Um, one, I, the first one is, I think we ought to do some soul-searching based on this parable. I have to do some soul-searching. What are my priorities? How, am I, how, is, how is my heart set? Is my heart set like the rich man? Am I saying to myself all the time, my plans about the things that I want for me? You know, oh, I'll do this and I'll do this for me, for my things. Am, am I storing up things for myself? Is that where my heart is? We've we got to examine where, my, where our priorities are. I've got to do that for me. After contemplating the severity of Jesus' words and the way in which he willingly lived it out, are we, are we convinced by him that the things he says here are true? I mean, do we, do we believe Jesus? And are we willing to obey him and follow his example? So, so we gotta, we got to pray. we got to ask, Lord, uh, search my heart and know if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. we got, we got to do some soul searching. And then I think after we do some soul searching, when we ask, Lord, Lord, am I like this man? We have to, we have to then, we got to peruse our accounts. We got to actually take a, a physical inventory. Because uh, what we do uh, with our physical things gives insight, and with our time as well, gives insight into our soul. Uh, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Uh, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Um, we got to ask ourselves, we, we got to look at the way we're spending our things and, and ask ourselves a couple questions. Uh, one, are, are we robbing God of what is rightfully His? Are we robbing God of what, when I look at my bank account uh, in, the, in the way I spend money, am I storing up things for, my, for myself? Am I robbing God? Malachi chapter 3 talks about the tithe, which is giving God a tenth part of your income. Um, he says, Does, will, could man yet... Uh, rob God, but you robbed me, and you've robbed me in your tithes and offerings, right? Malachi chapter 3. And he tells, he says, test me, test me, bring in the tithes and see if it turns out worse or better for you. I, I bring in the tithes, and it turns out wonderfully for me, because uh, number one, I have to budget, <laughs> I have to figure out what is a tenth uh, of what I make, and I have to sit down and, and actually do some math, and it, ha- it helps me keep track of my money. But on the, on, the, on the other hand, the Lord will pour out blessing. He causes the increase. He pours out blessing when we're obedient to Him. Two, so are we robbing God uh, with, our, with the way we spend our time and money? Are we robbing others? We saw Nabal, who was the fool. He was unwilling to pay, uh, pay David back. Are we, are we paying our bills? This is a pretty practical thing, I think, but when, when we owe people money, do we pay them? Do we have... Uh, friends or family who we've owed money to for a long time and it's destroyed relationships or they it's awkward and you don't want to talk to them and they don't want to talk to you because you haven't paid them back um are you paying your taxes are you trying to you know reduce the amount of money you actually make and and, uh, evade taxes Uh, these are like little practical things are you are you robbing them are you robbing other people what they're rightfully do if you have employees are you oppressing them by not paying them a fair wage um, and then other people that uh, actually need help, fatherless, widow, disabled, are we helping those people in need? Are we robbing God or are we, are we robbing others? And then I think if we're doing one of those two things, really, you're robbing yourself in the end. You're picking your own pocket. Uh, you're robbing yourself the joy of investing in something uh, that doesn't fall apart. As God says, 
uh, laying up for yourself treasures in heaven. You're picking your own pockets for eternity. When you rob God and you rob others, you pick your own pocket for eternity. For he who loves pleasure will become poor. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 11, talks about how God loves a cheerful giver. Uh, so I look at my accounts and I say, uh, we've got a little bit of room. We've got room. We can do some more giving. Um, often there's a place in my heart that says, ah, I don't want to give away any more money. I want to go out to eat. <laughs> Does anybody else have that? Yeah. I could save up for, like, if I do this, I could save up for a cruise for me or, you know, there's all these different ways I can think of. Oh, but if I gave that away, then I couldn't do this thing that I want to do for myself. All the time. My heart wants to do that all the time. I'm like on stage and like the light's exposing all my darkness here. But uh, that's what I'm like all the time. I'm always, my flesh and my body is always thinking of ways that I can benefit myself. I'm always like that. Uh, That's my natural state of being. That's what we're like as humans. You're just like me. Um, But God loves a cheerful giver. And so when I'm presented with opportunities to help people and I, and I don't want to give, and then later on I think back on it, often my heart breaks. It's like, why am I not a cheerful giver? Why, why am I not somebody who, who eagerly desires to give to the things of God to bless other people? Like, God, can you change me? Like, God, can you actually change me? And I know God can. I know God can change me, and I know God can change you. Um, so we can look at our hearts and say, hey, man, am I a cheerful giver? I look at my bank accounts, and search, we search our souls. God searches our sh- souls and reveals whether or not we, we desire to give to the things of God. Uh, he can change us. When, when God asked me to, to uh, long ago, I don't know how long ago, it was like years ago, but um, I, I went to college, I played baseball. I played baseball. I played in college. I was a center fielder. And uh, when, I was, when I was there, uh, God, I was praying. I spent a lot of time praying and asking God, seeking Him uh, when I was in college. Uh, after a couple years of being just discontent with just going to church and then leaving, and that was all I ever did with God. Um, I started becoming discontent with that. And I, I said, there, there's got to be more. There's got to be more to this life. There has to be more. And so as I was praying and I was seeking God's face, I felt like he was asking me, I want you to step out of playing baseball and quit playing baseball and go uh, serve in a ministry where you go and you read books to kids uh, downtown. And it was in Grand Rapids, so these were like minor, minority kids uh, from single-parent homes and, and things like that. Um, and I like laughed. <laughs> I like laughed. It's like, really? Are you serious? Because I, I had played baseball my whole life from uh, when I was this tall. I was always playing baseball. Me and my brothers outside were playing catch. We're diving around the yard. We're having fun. It was something I've done my, my whole life. So I was like, that's not me. That's not me. I don't do that. That's not the thing that I do. I'm the guy that goes out and I, you know, hang out with my sport friends and we do our things. And that, that's what I am. And, and God left that to me. But as I continue to, to seek him, I continued to be like, can you actually change me? Can, can I be that different person? Um, he did. He did. And it became okay for me to give up something that was my identity in order to pursue uh, a thing of God and to be rich towards God. Uh, and he did it, and 
it was a, a wonderful thing, and I enjoyed it, and it became a cheerful thing in my life. But, but God had to change me. I was one person, and then he had to do a transformative work in my life, and he did it. Um, so we ought to seek the kingdom. So search your souls, peruse your accounts, uh, look over your accounts, and then seek the kingdom. We don't have to worry about material stuff. Part of, part of uh, what we do often, what I do often, is I start, I start worrying. I, I look at my bank account, I look at my income, I look at the things that we need in the future down the road, and I start getting like a sense of anxiety sometimes. Uh, I got, we got bills coming up, we've got, you know, Elliot, my, son, my eight-month son, he's going to get a little bit older, and then when he gets older, and then if we have more kids, and there's doctor bills, and then I, all these things start piling up, and I get nervous, I get worried, I get anxious. But Jesus, directly following this passage, is a passage that, <laughs> that starts off with, don't worry about your life. Therefore, don't worry about your life. Why? Everybody in this world runs after material possessions. Everybody in this world runs after the things they need to wear, the things that they're going to be eating. They run after them because they don't know when their next one is going to, is going to come around. It's like my dog, my dog Kramer. Uh, does anybody, uh, he's a German short hair pointer, and he eats until he cannot eat anymore, and he physically has to lay down and sleep until he, he wakes up again and is able to eat more. Uh, and that's what the people of this world are like. We, we just run after, we're hoarding material possessions. But us, as children of God, we're to be free of this word because, worry because we know that there's a God who's able to provide all of our needs. We have a God who's a father. If my eight-month-old son, Elliot, uh, were worried all the time about whether he was going to get clothes, whether he was going to get changed, whether he was going to get fed... Uh, if he was worried about these things all the time, I would feel like a really bad father. Um, but we have an even better father than me. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> right. We have a heavenly father who knows intricately our, our needs, our wants, our desires, and he's able to care for us uh, much better than I'm, I'm able to care for my eight-month-old son. So my son shouldn't worry. He's got his bases covered. We shouldn't worry. Our Heavenly Father's got us covered. So since we don't have to worry about the material stuff, we're supposed to go after the things of God. We're supposed to be going after the kingdom of God. Don't run after the material stuff. Run after the kingdom of God. Be rich towards God. Use your resources to invest in the things of heaven and the things of God. First Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19 says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous, willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. And I got to sit back and think sometimes uh, that this will, they will lay up treasure, is, is a promise and it's a certainty. So when we are rich towards God, there's a certainty of treasures in heaven stored up, and that's going to happen. That's a promise of God. So uh, let's pray, uh, and I'll let you guys go. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, and we praise you for your kindness towards us. We thank you, Lord, that you do provide, uh, that you are a good Father, uh, that you are generous, Lord, and you've allowed us because of the love and the generosity you've lavished on us, you've, you've allowed us to be a generous people in return. 
we, we pray, Jesus, uh, that you would be honored and glorified in our lives as we desire to be obedient to you. And I do pray, Lord, that you would make me uh, a cheerful giver, God. Yeah, I pray, Lord, that you would make each of us a cheerful giver uh, who loves and desires to see the kingdom of God move forward. Lord, I pray that you would help us, you would lead us and guide us by your Holy Spirit in the ways in which you want us to invest in your kingdom, Lord. Uh, I pray, Lord, you would show us if we're robbing you of, our, of your tithe. I pray that you would show us if we're robbing other people. I pray that you'd show us if we're, if we're even robbing ourselves, Lord, of the joy that you have for us. Um, so God, uh, speak to us, uh, show us, uh, each of us individually, you've called us to different things, and I pray, God, for your leading, your guiding. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.